his son, in the days of his son Rehoboam, the kingdom is divided. And we've looked at that period that takes us down to the year 721 B.C., about seven centuries before Christ. And because of their sins, uh, God brings his judgment on the northern kingdom. And this morning, we're going to go on from that, uh, starting with Hezekiah, the king of Judah, who was king in Judah at the time the Assyrians destroy the ten northern tribes. And uh, so we will start uh, with Hezekiah, and we'll look uh, for that period of 150 years or so that Judah remains after the fall of the northern kingdom. And, and so that's, we'll transition into the latter half of the divided kingdom period, not half, the latter portion of the divided kingdom period uh, in our lesson this morning. And we will get started if I'll turn the device on. <clears throat> okay, we'll read our text which uh, summarizes the period and then we'll look at uh, some relevant questions. Perhaps Hezekiah was the best of the kings of Judah during the divided kingdom period. He did that which was right, as did David. He repaired the temple and he restored the worship service of the priest and the daily sacrifices. The Passover was kept by large numbers of people. Some of the remnant of destroyed Israel participated in the Passover. Even though not all had been sanctified as required by the law, God forgave. Hezekiah held the people, uh, led the people in restoring the giving for the priesthood. When the people gave, they were blessed by God and still had plenty to care for their families. Because of Hezekiah's faithfulness, God, through Isaiah, added 15 years to his life when he was deathly ill. To prove the gift, God caused the earth to turn backwards 10 degrees on the sundial. In 721 B.C., in the ninth year of the reign of Hezekiah, God sent Assyria to destroy Israel because Israel had broken the covenant with God. Because of Hezekiah's reforms in Judah, God protected Judah when the Assyrians came against Jerusalem. Isaiah prophesied the Assyrians would not come into the city or shoot an arrow into the city. The Assyrians came. The Assyrian soldiers surrounded Jerusalem. Uh, the Assyrian soldiers surrounding Jerusalem shouted in the Hebrew language to the people of Judah that neither Hezekiah nor God could protect Israel from them. Isaiah assured Hezekiah not to be afraid, for God would show his power against the blasphemy of Assyria. That night, the angel of God killed 185,000 of the Assyrian army. When the king of Assyria fled to Nineveh, his sons killed him. Thus Judah avoided the Assyrian destruction God sent uh, to Israel. In his old age, Hezekiah made a political mistake. His pride led him to show the wealth of his kingdom to visitors from a far city to the east, Babylon. Afterwards, Isaiah told him of his mistake. Isaiah prophesied that the day would come when the wealth and the people of Judah would be taken into Babylonian captivity. Following Hezekiah, the worst of the kings of Judah, Manasseh, reigned for 55 years. That's a mistake. It's also in one of the questions. Uh, but uh, after the death of Hezekiah, we get uh, an evil king, uh, Manasseh. He reigns for a long time, half a century, uh, 55 years. Manasseh renewed idol worship in Judah 
even to the extent of putting idols in the temple and causing his sons to pass through the fire of Molech. As a result, God decreed the destruction of Jerusalem and Judah, just as Samaria and Israel had been judged. The punishment was delayed by the good king Josiah, the grandson of Manasseh. During the reign of Josiah, a copy of the law of Moses was discovered in the temple. The law was read to the king and to the people. Josiah ordered the idols removed, drove out the Sodomites, broke down the altars of, at Bethel set up by Jeroboam, ordered the keeping of the Passover. As the priesthood was in order, the Passover is reported to be the best since the days of Eli in the period of the judges. And in other ways, sought to keep the law of Moses. Unfortunately, Josiah was killed when he tried to assist Assyria by intercepting Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt. Jehoahaz, his son, and the succeeding kings returned Judah to evil. The people would not listen to the prophets sent by God. God's wrath rose until there was no remedy for Judah. Within 30 years, the Babylonians came and fully destroyed Jerusalem and Judea. Isaiah had been one of God's prophets to warn both Israel and Judah that the consequences of their sins would be destruction by Assyria and Babylon. Yet Isaiah offered the hope that a remnant would remain for the purpose of bringing the Messiah. Before his death, Isaiah said that Assyria would be destroyed by God because of her pride. Nahum also prophesied that God would destroy Assyria. God did so in 612 B.C., as the Babylonians were growing in power. After the death of Isaiah, Jeremiah was sent by God to warn Judah of the consequences of their sin. Jeremiah served in Jerusalem from the days of the good king Josiah until the end in 586 B.C., basically 600 years before Christ. Jeremiah encouraged Josiah's reforms and led the people in mourning his death. Zephaniah and Habakkuk, likewise told the people of God's punishment by Babylon because Judah refused to keep the covenant of God. Habakkuk complained to God of the injustice of the people of Judah. God told him that he would send Babylon to punish the people. Habakkuk asked how, how God could use an unholy people like Babylon. God responded that Habakkuk should silently consider who is God and reminded him that the just will live by faith. Habakkuk then gives a prayer of confidence in God. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon high places. Jeremiah made the message clear for Judah. In Jeremiah chapter 11, God's message is a summary of what we have studied in this survey. God brought Israel from Egypt and gave them the land of Canaan. In the law given by Moses, God demanded obedience and set forth the curses of destruction for those who disobeyed him. Even when Israel sinned, God continued to warn Israel by the prophets, but Israel would not obey and broke the covenant of God in every form of evil and conspiracy against him. As a result, God's judgment was sure to come. God told Jeremiah not to pray to him to help Judah. Obviously, this message was not received well by the kings and the people of Judah, and they sought to kill Jeremiah. 
he was imprisoned when the end came by the Babylonians. God used Babylon to judge Judah for the sins of Manasseh. First King Jehoiakim and others, including Daniel, were taken to Babylon and made servants. Second, in the reign of Jehoiachin, the son of Jehoiakim, Nebuchadnezzar came and took most of the educated and skilled of Judah to Babylon. Ezekiel was among the second deportation. Third, in 586 B.C., during the reign of Zedekiah, the brother of Jehoiachin, Babylon completely destroyed Jerusalem and the temple built by Solomon and took the surviving people into Babylonian captivity. Only the poor of the land were left in Judah to be wine dressers and husbandmen. But as had Isaiah, Jeremiah sent the message of God that a remnant would be saved for the fulfilling of the third promise to Abraham. Jeremiah looked forward to the day when a new covenant would replace the covenant that Israel and Judah had broken. And Jeremiah, Jeremiah said, Now therefore, uh, and now therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the city, whereof you say, It shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword, and by the famine, and by the pestilence. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries, whether I have driven them in mine anger, and I will bring them again unto this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely, and they shall be my people and I will be their God, and I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Jeremiah prophesied the Babylonian captivity would last 70 years, the period of exile. That'll be our, the next part of our study. Before studying the exile, in our next lesson, we will begin the period, uh, we will end the period of the divided kingdom with an event occurring among the few people left in Jerusalem by the Babylonians. As noted, a few poor people were left in Judah to tend the vineyards. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, also left Jeremiah in Jerusalem. He was freed from prison, and the governor was told to listen to him. After a short time, some lawless men killed the governor. The people feared that the Babylonians would return and kill them, so they considered going into Egypt. And the people came to Jeremiah and asked him to ask God what they should do. And they said they would do whatever God instructed. Jeremiah prayed to God, and God sent the message that the people should trust in God, that they should not go to Egypt, where they would be destroyed, and that they should not be afraid of Babylon. But the people did not do as Jeremiah reported to God, reported of God, but rather they took Jeremiah by force and fled to Egypt. There, Jeremiah continued to preach to the people who were worshiping idols and would not obey God's word. The people responded to the preaching with an attitude that will condemn all who have it. They said, But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth, to burn incense unto the queen of heaven, and to pour out drink offerings unto her, as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes, in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, for then we had plenty of bittles and were well and saw no evil. How soon men can forget. God sent the Babylonian army to Egypt. Those who had fled there from Jerusalem were killed in Egypt. But from exile in Babylon and other places, 70 years later, a remnant of destroyed Judah would return to Canaan and, uh, and Jerusalem. Okay, so that's a summary of the latter part of the 
period of the divided kingdom uh, down to the destruction by God of J Jerusalem and the temple and Judah, the remaining two tribes of the tribes of Israel. And so by the 5th century before Christ, 6 centuries, basically 6 centuries before Christ, uh, uh, the kingdom that had been established by God as He brings Israel out of Egypt and gives them the land of Canaan uh, has essentially been destroyed. The northern kingdom by the Assyrians, the southern kingdom by the Babylonians. Uh, but we're still dealing with uh, the third promise that God makes to Abraham, that from the seed of Abraham, all nations would be blessed. And it is obvious that God keeps His promises, and so the prophets make it clear to the people of Israel that a remnant would be returned for the purpose of fulfilling the, the third promise made by God to Abraham. The coming of the Messiah, and the reason that we're here uh, studying these things today. So let's uh, uh, spend some time looking at this period. Uh, I've now given you the full course of what I ask you to remember from this survey. Uh, number one, the three promises to Abraham, the people promise, the land promise, and the blessing promise. And then secondly, the, uh, a date, 721 B.C., 722 B.C., seven centuries before Christ when the northern kingdom is destroyed. And then the year 586, the third thing, the five, year 586 when the southern kingdom is destroyed by Babylon. And what nation did God use to bring His judgment on Israel? Assyria, as we have looked at now, this is the fourth week as we have been dealing with that. Who was king of Judah at the time of destruction of Israel? And that's Hezekiah. And he is a good king. And how is his goodness summarized? And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. And that is the marker of the kings of the southern kingdom, the marker of the kings of Judah, just as the marker of the kings of Israel was, and they continued in the sin of Jeroboam. Uh, the marker of the kings of, Israel, kings of Judah are whether or not uh, they had the heart of David and did that which was right as he had done. That doesn't mean that they were perfect. David certainly wasn't perfect. Uh, but uh, whether their heart was inclined towards God and keeping the law is the marker of these kings. And he removed the high places and broke down the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. Remember the story in, in Peor where the plague comes on the people and God sets up a serpent, a bronze serpent, and those that would look on it would be saved, would be, would be healed. Well, the people had turned that into an idol. For in those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. And so Hezekiah uh, reigns for about 30 years, 29 years I think, uh, about 30 years uh, and bridges this period of destruction of the northern kingdom and gets Judah going in the right direction in keeping the law of Moses. What good service did God uh, to God did Hezekiah lead Judah, 
Judah to do. Um, and in Second Chronicles chapter 29, there's a discussion of how he reorganizes the priesthood and calls on the Levites to help the priest when the priest couldn't do all the things that needed to be done. And, and so he, he makes an effort of reestablishing the priesthood. Uh, and Hezekiah told the people, uh, now that y'all are got your mind towards God, you need to bring the sacrifices and the offerings that God has uh, instructed. And, and the result was they brought many uh, free will offerings. And there was a great uh, renewal of the, the priesthood. In fact, they brought so many free will offerings, the priests couldn't take care of all, all of them, so they had to call on Levites to consecrate themselves to finish that, uh, the, the free will offerings that were made. So Hezekiah has, has made an effort of reestablishing the law of Moses, the keeping of the law, the formal worship of the temple uh, in the days when the northern kingdom is destroyed. <clears throat> because of the good of Hezekiah and Judah, God did not allow the Assyrians to take Jerusalem. What made God so angry at the Assyrians that he destroyed 185,000 of their soldiers and caused them to flee Jerusalem? And, uh, and it's, it's not the, the coming of the Assyrians at the time the northern kingdom is destroyed, but a few, few years later, the next king of Assyria comes to Jerusalem and surrounds it and is intent. He, he destroys all the fenced cities of Judah leading up to Jerusalem. So he's got control of the situation, and he's, and he's surrounded Jerusalem. And, uh, you know, the, the best effort in those situations is to put fear in the people, and maybe they'll just give up. And so that's what they do. They, the king of Judah, Hezekiah, sends out some emissaries, and they try to talk to them silently, but the, the Assyrians have no part of it. So the Assyrians uh, get somebody who can speak Hebrew, and so they call out in the Jewish language and basically said to them, uh, don't be listening to Hezekiah that he's able to defend this city. We've taken all these other cities. None of the other cities have been able to stand against us. The gods of the other cities have not been able to protect them. And so don't listen to Hezekiah and don't listen to his uh, voice from, from your God saying that uh, he will be able to protect you. Uh, has any of the gods of the nations of all, uh, at all delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? So they're the... They're the big boys on the block, and they are trying to threaten Hezekiah and the people in Jerusalem. Uh, and, and, and the Jerusalem is saved. Uh, uh, not a soldier steps into Jerusalem. Not an arrow is shot into Jerusalem. And how is this possible? How can this happen? And, of course, part, the question suggests that God is a little perturbed by these insults, the blasphemy of of the Assyrians. God says to the Babylonians through Hezekiah, but I know your dwelling place. You're going out and you're coming in in your rage against me. Because your rage against me and your tumult have come up to my ears, therefore I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle on your lips and I will turn you back the way you came. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant and those who escape from Mount Zion. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into the city, 
nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with the shield, or build a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, he shall return, and he shall not come into this city, says the Lord. For I will descend the city and save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And so uh, God responds uh, uh, rather uh, strongly to the suggestion that the uh, Assyrians will take Jerusalem at this time. Uh, they are, God causes 185,000 of the soldiers to be killed that night. The king returns back to Babylon and goes into the temple of his God and there his sons assassinate him. And so the, the, the prophecy that God makes, the protection of God of Jerusalem in the days of Hezekiah uh, uh, is, is a part of uh, God's protection of Judah. It's going to turn. And what did God do for Hezekiah when he was very sick? Uh, Hezekiah had some kind of a boil and was very sick. Isaiah came to him and said, uh, you're going to die. Get ready because you're going to die. Uh, and, uh, but Hezekiah turned and prays to God, and God relents and determines that he will give him another 15 years. And it says, the Bible tells us that before Isaiah was out of the courtyard, uh, the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, and Isaiah goes back and tells him that he's going to be given 15 years of life. And Isaiah asked him a question uh, as a sign of this uh, deliverance and the promise of God. Uh, I, I can either make the sundial go forward 10 degrees or go backwards 10 degrees. Uh, which would you prefer? And Hezekiah says, well, it's no big deal to make it go forward. It's going to go forward anyway. See if you can make it go backwards. And so it does. The sundial, the, the sun changes its rotation. The earth changes its rotation around the sun. Uh, the sundial is affected 10 degrees backwards. And so Hezekiah is, is promised and receives an additional 15 years of, of life. Uh, there's a question here. Could Hezekiah see the spiritual warriors of God as did uh, Elisha and his servant at Dothan? There's a passage. Do I have it? No, I don't have it. 2 Kings chapter 6. Uh, no, let's go to Chronicles Second Chronicles chapter 37, verses 7 and 8. Um, Hezekiah has got to deal with the people of Jerusalem. The army's still out there. I mean, Isaiah has come to him and given him the assurance that uh, Jerusalem is not going to fall to the Assyrians. But that doesn't, that doesn't translate to the people of Jerusalem who are inside and the, with the Assyrians outside saying, we're ready, ready to cut your head off. And so Isaiah says to the people, be strong and courageous. I'm sorry, Hezekiah says to the people. I may have said Isaiah. Hezekiah says to the people, Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the, uh, for the king of Assyria, nor for the multitude that is with him. For there is more with us than with him. Uh, and that's a statement that... Uh, uh, Elisha teaches his servant when he opens his eyes and he sees the power of God in the hills surrounding Dothan as the Syrians had the city surrounded. There's more with us than with them. And we need to realize that with God that's always true. Uh, 
it is, uh, it is our assurance today. With him is the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God. Help us and to fight our to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, the king of Judah, and and it was and it and it worked. But uh, after it's over with, Hezekiah uh, gets a little prideful and he shows the wealth of the city of Jerusalem to visitors from Babylon, which then was just a backwater city down on the Euphrates River. Uh, but it turns into a kingdom of power with the Medes. They are able to defeat the uh, Assyrians and become the dominant power in the area. Well, following uh, the good king Hezekiah, we have a bad king, Manasseh. Uh, Manasseh reigns for 55 years. Uh, and so in a half century, He's able to effectuate a lot of change. He undoes, he undoes, he, un, he undoes a lot of the good that uh, Hezekiah had led, had led the people in. And uh, so let's let's talk about the sins of Manasseh. Second Kings chapter twenty-one, beginning in verse two, we have this passage, and this speaking of Manasseh. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. After the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. Remember, God has waited 400 years for the iniquity of the Amorites to be full before he dispossesses them out of the land of Canaan. And when it is full, then he's, his justice leads to that judgment. And here it says that Manasseh caused the people of Judah, God's own people, to do more than the abominations of the people who were cast out of Israel. For he built up the high places which Hezekiah's father had destroyed, and he reared up altars for Baal, and made a grove as did Ahab, king of Israel, and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord said, In Jerusalem I will put my name. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he's made, he made his son pass through the fire and observe times and used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards and brought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. All the things that the, the pagan nations had done before they were driven out of the land. In verse 9 it says, And they hearkened not... Uh, uh, God instructed them to keep to follow the law, but he hearkened not, and Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. And so in this period of time we have been studying throughout the period of Judges, 255 years, kingships of Saul, David, and Solomon, and now the period of the divided kingdom, the people of Israel have become more wicked than the people that God drove out before them. It's no wonder that, uh, uh, that God deemed His covenant made at Sinai to be broken and to be replaced. To be replaced by the one He would send to keep the third promise to Abraham, uh, the coming Messiah. And what was the result of the sins of Manasseh and Judah? 
Therefore, thus saith the Lord of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such calamity upon Jerusalem and Judah, that whoever hears of it, both his ears will tingle. And I will stretch over Jerusalem the measuring line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab. And I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. That's strong judgment language. He had stretched the line of judgment on Samaria, the capital of the northern kingdom. And he had done so to the household of Ahab. Uh, and now he says he's going to do it to Judah. So I, will forsake, uh, so I will forsake the remnant of my inheritance and deliver them into the land of their enemies. He had saved these two tribes because of David. And now he's going to deliver them. And deliver them into the hands of their enemies. And they shall become victims of plunder and, their en- and all their enemies because they have done evil in my sight and have provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came out of Egypt, even unto this day. Moreover, Manasseh shed more in, uh, much more, uh, uh, shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to the other, besides his sins by which he made Judah sin in doing evil in the sight of the Lord. So the situation is bad, and the consequence is God will bring his judgment. <clears throat> Josiah, the grandson of Manasseh, is a good king. Uh, And so after half a century of Manasseh, we have yet a little reprieve. And Josiah is a very good king. He begins at a very young age. But he is a good king. And uh, what did the scribes find in the temple during Josiah's reign? They found a copy of the Law of Moses. How is it possible that the book of the Law of Moses had been lost? How do you, you, how do you lose your Bible? I mean, how do you lose all the Bibles? Um, well, a half century of evil can affect people greatly. And, and so in the days of Josiah, their in the temple, trying to clean up all the dust and the crud that's developed for 50 years of misuse and lack of use. And they find a copy of the Law of Moses. And they bring it to, after they read it and understand what it is, they bring it to Josiah. Josiah reads it, and he decrees that it has to be read to the people. And so there is this resurgence of obedience to the law, reading the law, and obedience to the law in the days of Josiah. How can you lose all of your instructions? It's a warning to us. only took 50 years. Uh, What if Hitler had been successful in uh, wiping out the Bible, uh, his efforts to significantly limit the influence of the Jewish nation? It only takes... Uh, a short period of time uh, and and so we need to be diligent people understanding that we have been instructed to be students of the word so Josiah undertakes a series of religious reforms he read the book of the covenant to the people he made a covenant before the Lord with the people that they would be obedient 
He burned the articles and the images of the false gods and removed the idolatrous priest. He tore down the houses of perversion. He recalled the priest and uh, defiled their high places, tore down the high places by uh, the Jerusalem city gate. He defiled the, the site of Topeth and ended human sacrifices to Molech. He burned the chariots of sun worship and removed their horses, broke down the altars of false gods and defiled their places, broke down pillars, cut down wooden idols and desecrated those sites. Uh, he went up to Bethel. He broke down the altar of Jeroboam at Bethel, burned its high place and wooden image, and defiled the tombs dedicated to false gods, executed the priest of the high places of Samaria. And that's an interesting story as he defiles the altar that was set up by Jeroboam and Bethel. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. He kept the Passover. He put away those who consulted spirit mediums. So Josiah makes a large number of reforms in Jerusalem and Judah. So that raises the question. Why did not the goodness of Josiah and Judah not why did the goodness of Josiah and Judah not change the judgment God had announced because of the sins of Manasseh and Judah? Why doesn't God relent? Uh, we've seen God relent many times, just in the life of Hezekiah. Uh, he's he's at fifteen years is added to his life. And I think we have a principle here that we have discussed many times in this Old Testament survey. There is a point in time when God announces judgment. And when He announced judgment on Egypt, uh, the repenting of the Pharaoh, whether sincere or not, did not change the judgment. But rather God continued to show His power and, to do, and He delivered Israel by His power from Egypt. And when, uh, when he announced judgment on the family of Ahab, the fact that Ahab and Jezebel are able to reign for a few more years doesn't change the fact that judgment is going to take place. And when he announces his judgment on the northern kingdom, uh, repentance won't change things. One other story from our survey. When he said to the children of Israel, because you have not listened to the the report of the good spies, Caleb and Joshua, but have listened to the others, you're going to wander 40 years in the wilderness. And what did Israel do? Oh, no, no, no. We'll go. But it's too late because God has announced His judgment. And even the reforms of Josiah and the return of some of the people to the keeping of the law of Moses is not able to change the judgment of God. We need to be careful as a people, as individuals, and as a people that we not get so far away from God that He begins to work against us. Now, there, now before Him, there was no king like Him. I, the writers uh, may need to read their stories about Hezekiah and Josiah. They can't decide which one is the best king. Uh, who turned to the Lord with all of His heart, with all of His soul, and with all of His might, according to, the all, to all the law of Moses. Nor after Him did any arise like Him. Nevertheless, the Lord did not turn from the fierceness of His great wrath, with which His anger was aroused against Judah 
because of all the provocations with which Manasseh had provoked him. And the Lord said, I will also remove Judah from my sight, as I have removed Israel. And I will cast off the city Jerusalem, which I have chosen, and the house of which I said, My name shall be there. And so, in spite of the reforms of Josiah, the, the judgment of God continues to come. Josiah is killed uh, when he tries to intercept the, the king of Egypt who's going to make war against Assyria. Now, to get from Egypt to Assyria, you've got to go through uh, Canaan. And in the valley of Medigo, uh, Josiah goes out to intercept him. And even though Josiah isn't dressed like a king, uh, he is still killed in the battle and is taken back to Jerusalem and buried. Uh, why did he do that? <laughs> why did he try to protect Assyria? Assyria is giving him all these problems. Well, it's not explained why he does it. At least I've not been able to find the explanation. I don't know whether he had a treaty with uh, the Assyrians in some way or not, uh, but he, he, he acts to intercept the Egyptian army as it's going through the land of Canaan on its way to Assyria, and he is killed. Now, when, they, when, when, when Josiah and his army comes out against uh, Pharaoh Necho, the ambassadors raise an interesting point. The ambassadors say, what are you doing coming out here to fight with us? We're not, we don't have a, bat, a bone to pick with you. We're not after Jerusalem. We're not coming to Jerusalem. We're on the way through the land to do war with our enemy. And we're doing this because your God sent us. God sent us to go fight the Assyrians. And uh, that's the claim they make. Josiah doesn't listen. Josiah is killed in the battle. Is it possible that they're speaking the truth? Had God, I mean, the prophets, uh, Isaiah and Nahum, had, had specifically prophesied that God would destroy Assyria, that Assyria, uh, because of the people's hatred of Assyria, Assyria destroyed the northern kingdom. But the prophets made it clear that God would bring his judgment on Assyria also. And, uh, and so we know that it, it, it was God's intention. It's what happens. The Babylonians and the Medes, the Persians are able to do that. Uh, so, uh, is he telling the truth? I don't know. Is this, is this the beginning of the fall of Assyria? <clears throat> what do you think of the judgment language that's used? And I will stretch over Jerusalem the measuring line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab. I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. And thus he showed me, behold, the Lord stood on a wall made with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. And the Lord said, behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. Now, almost everyone in this audience knows what a plumb line is. Uh, Alex is sitting back there. He's so young, he's probably never seen a plumb line. But a plumb line is just an old device with a weight on it that uh, you can measure where something is, is plumb, whether it's up and down straight, whether it's uh, level with the ground. And, uh, and it is a figure of speech that God has plumbed, <laughs> He has looked at, and He's judged Ahab. And He has done the same for the house of Samaria, the capital of the northern kingdom. And now He's going to do so to the southern kingdom, Judah. 
we'll have to quit here in just a moment, and we'll finish these questions in this uh, period and one le- one more lesson uh, next week. And uh, and so the last question here is, when is the Ark of the Covenant last mentioned in the Hebrew Scriptures? And we've been following the Ark since they made it at Sinai, and we've seen the things that were put in it and later periods when not all of those things were in it. And here in the days of uh, Josiah, this is Josiah speaking, then he said to the Levites who taught all of Israel, who were holy to the Lord, put the holy ark in the house which Solomon the son of David, king of Israel, built. It shall no longer be a burden on your shoulders. They had learned to carry it on their shoulders after the problems that David had had with it. Uh, why was it not in the temple? Solomon put it in the temple. David put it in the temple. David brought it to Jerusalem. Solomon puts it in the temple once the temple is built. Why wasn't it in the temple? Well, I expect the, the Levites, the priest, had rescued it from the temple because of all the bad things that were going on in the temple in the days of Manasseh. I don't know that. Uh, but here, uh, Josiah tells them, uh, to put it back into the temple. Uh, it should no longer be a burden on your shoulders. Now serve the Lord your God and, and His people Israel. This is the last mention of the Ark of the Covenant in spite of the raiders of the lost Ark. Uh, uh, it's, it's in the temple uh, before the Babylonians come. Uh, the, uh, the Ethiopians claim that they have it, but they won't show it to us, so... Uh, we, we don't know where it is today. Let's finish with one more story. Uh, who was the man whose bones are mentioned in Second Kings uh, chapter 23? Josiah goes out to defile all of these places of idolatrous worship. And he defiles them. Not only he tears them down, he cuts down the trees, he kills the priests. Uh, he, he goes out into tombs and finds bones of dead people and burns them on these altars. That was their method of of defiling these altars. You remember the story of the young priest that was sent up to talk to Jeroboam when he set up the the altars at Bethel and Dan? Uh, God sends a a young priest out of Judah to go up and talk to him. He tells Jeroboam he's a sinner, and uh, Jeroboam sticks out his fingers to tell him to arrest him, and his hand withers, and the priest has to destroy it. The young priest makes the mistake of uh, listening to an old man who comes to him and said, uh, I know you're not supposed to eat up here, uh, but an angel has come to me and he's told me it's okay for you to eat up here, so come and eat with me, and he did, and, and then the lion eats him. And, and what happened to this, the body of this young man? The body of the young man is picked up by the old prophet, and he's taken and he's put into the, the burial site of the old prophet. They're, they're buried in the same place. Now, these years later, by the way, this is what the prophet said to the altar at Bethel. Uh, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priest of the high places that burn incense upon you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. So hundreds of years earlier, the prophecy had been made that in the days of Josiah, 
this altar at Bethel is going to be defiled. And that's what happens. Uh, and they're out looking in graves, looking for bones that they can bury, uh, that they can burn on the altar at Bethel to defile it. And Josiah sees an inscription on one of these graves, and he says, what is that inscription? And they report, this is the burial place of the man that God sent to speak to Jeroboam about the, uh, the incorrect practice of creating this altar at Bethel uh, for the worship of God and worship of the, the calf, that, an idol that, that uh, Jeroboam had made. And so uh, uh, Josiah said, leave the grave alone. And so the bones of uh, this young prophet and the old prophet being in the same grave were not taken and not burned and not used to defile the altar at Bethel. But uh, uh, the altar at Bethel is defiled uh, in the days of Jeroboam, uh, in, in the days of Josiah. All right. I think that's a, a good stopping place for us this morning. And again, we'll spend uh, one more week next week looking at this period that leads to the destruction of Jerusalem and the deportation of the people of Judah uh, to Babylon. And we'll focus, we've, we've looked at Hezekiah, Manasseh, and Josiah. So next week we'll focus on the Babylonian conquest. All right, thank you very much.